So let me tell you this little story. Uh, Connie reminded me of this story that I had told. A few of you have heard it. But um, so most, a lot of you have met Alan Williams, who owns the Chick-fil-A. Uh, incidentally, my, my son Jonathan posted a big rant on Facebook last night. Uh, about all the new restaurants that have come to Marble Falls. He, was, he, he posted on Facebook, he said, to all my friends who still live in Marble Falls, um, you could at least give me a heads up about the fact that Marble Falls has a Burger King now. I don't like to just drive into town and see a Burger King that was never there before, which one of his friends posted back, yeah, well, if you just kept on going, you would have run into the Chick-fil-A and Jonathan said, oh, yeah, the one that's across the street from the Panda Express? <laughs> um, he really ought to come home more often, I guess. But then, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Alan, Alan is a great guy. And he loves Jesus, and it just permeates the whole restaurant. So this is actually Randy Taylor's story. Uh, Randy Taylor was a young lady in his church who had, who had been visiting his church. Uh, and she had she'd been, let's just say, that she's in her early 20s and she's just, just had a horrible life. Just, if you think about anything that uh, a young woman in her 20s could have already been through to have had a horrible life, she's probably had all of it. Uh, and... Uh, and Randy and his wife Betty were just encouraging her, supporting her, and um, she'd kind of been in and out of church, off and on for a few years. But they took her out to lunch at Chick Fil A about three weeks ago, and uh, and the were just encouraging her and talking to her and praying for her. And uh, at one point, Randy just asked her if she'd ever really given her heart. To Jesus, if she'd ever really just accepted Jesus as her Lord, Lord and Savior, and she said, "No, I, I don't. I don't think I ever really have." He said, "Would you like to do it now?" And she said, "Yeah, I, I think I would." And so, just right there in Chick Fil A, they they prayed that prayer. She asked Jesus to come into her life and be her Lord and Savior. And you know, it's just no big scene. They were just kind of talking quietly, and Alan walks by, and Randy Taylor, who is enthusiastic, he's an enthusiastic. <laughs> He's normally an enthusiastic fellow, right? But he was especially enthusiastic at this point. And he said, Alan, Alan, come over here. I want you to meet your new sister. She just accepted the Lord into her life, and she's your brand new sister in Christ. And Alan said, really? Right here? Right here in my restaurant? And Randy said, yep, right here in your restaurant. And Alan shouted at the top of his lungs, free ice cream for everybody! And, and this girl just met, just accepted the Lord as her Savior in my restaurant, and everybody gets free ice cream. So everybody who was in Chick-fil-A that day for lunch gets free ice cream. Uh, and so, <laughs> just, 
I just, um, I can tell you, if you've got any friends that you've been kind of witnessing to, uh, <laughs> that's, um, I'm just, I'm just saying it'd be, it'd be worth a shot. Uh, or even if you've got any backslidden friends that maybe they just need to repent in Allen's restaurant, that, uh, that should be good for Dr. Pepper. Okay, so there's not, there's not a, uh, yeah, that's right. That's, uh, you're, you're right. Nobody else in any other restaurant in town would have even have thought about it. But Alan thinks about that all the time and it's, and he's the owner and he can do whatever he wants to. And, uh, uh, so it's just another reason to patronize Chick-fil-A. You never know what's going to happen there. There's, there's no sermon PowerPoint thingy today. Um, and there's, and the, really the main reason is because just, just focus on something really, 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 really powerful, but very simple. We've been kind of trying to get our way through the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. Chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is... Oh, is one of the best descriptions of the Christmas story that you'll ever hear. And you know, I have a thing about Christmas. And when I'm preaching on Advent, I, I, I try not to spend so much time with donkeys and camels uh, and shepherds and wise men. And more... Yeah, that's right. I'm feeling a little sheepish, are you? Uh, uh, did, did you see that video... Where in the in the manger scene where the sheep ran off with the doll with the baby Jesus, and uh, it's very traumatic. Uh, so, uh, so I don't spend a lot of time in, in Luke chapter two or Matthew chapter two. I, I I focus on all the places where the Christmas message is happening, but without um, all the bit players. Uh, and John chapter 1 is a super powerful expo- explanation of the Christmas message. Um, and we've talked, you know, the first couple of verses that, that God planned this from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Uh, b- before there was creation, before there was a universe, there was God in, the, in His fullness, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And before there were planets, God was already thinking about you. Before there, were, before there was a universe, before there were planets, in the beginning there was God. There, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being by Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has ever come into a being. And so, before there was matter, before the universe was spoken into existence, there was God in all of his fullness, and he was thinking about Jonathan. He was, he was looking down, because, because everything that God... Can you understand this? And the, and the potentiality of everything... The God is not only divine love, God is divine potential. Everything that's ever going to come into existence at any time in history starts... With the Creator. So, even at that time before there were planets, there was 
God, God was already planning on Carl and Carlene. And he was planning on Chuck. And he was planning on Laura. He was planning on Glory. He was planning all of these things. And he knew we were going to be in the, By the time we get here, we were going to have wrecked everything. But he already knew that. And he was already planning on how to get you through, how to heal you, how to help you, how to deliver you. That's all... That's an awesome Christian Christmas message all by itself. Um, but then, the last one we talked about, uh, this man named John the Baptist, who uh, was Jesus' cousin. He was older than Jesus. Uh, but he was, his mother was, his mother, Elizabeth, was Mary's cousin. So they were like, what, second cousins or something like that. But, you know, they hung out all the time. Um, and... And John the Baptist probably picked on him. Uh, kept holding his head underwater when they were like three. Uh, and, and they... And John was filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He recognized Jesus. He knew everything about him. He came to testify to Jesus. Uh, and... He was... To prepare people to receive a very simple message. What we talked about last week. <clears throat> Jesus came to his own. He, he made the world. The world was made through him. The world rejected him. The world didn't know him, didn't recognize him. Eons and eons and eons and eons and eons and eons of time. Before time was, God was planning this. And then Jesus came to earth and he says... Here I am. And the earth said, What? Now, um, get out of the way. I've, I've got to get the last cabbage patch doll or whatever. Um, <clears throat> well, you could probably... The last cabbage patch doll today would be really worth a lot of money. It's in a museum somewhere. Uh, so... So he, so he came to the world. The world didn't know him, didn't recognize him. He came to his own. He came to the Jews. He's the, they were the focal part. They were ground zero of God's explosion that was going to bless the whole world. He came to the Jews. And the Jews uh, not only did not receive him, they, they killed him. They tried to kill him. They thought they had killed him. So... Apparently, it's harder to save the world than, than you would have think. Uh, but he, so, so, last year we, so last week, we wrapped it up with this. Uh, his own did not receive him, but as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Remember the game that John and Alexander and I kept playing last week? Just, if you want to receive it, I'm handing it to you. Do you want to take it? That's all there is. You, just re- you receive from God. Jesus, what he's offering you. Um, to as many as received his offer, which is simply this. Do you believe that, I, uh, that I'm the son of God, that I died on the cross to pay for your sins? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe that. Uh, I'm, do you want to receive this gift of eternal life that I'm offering you? I absolutely want to receive that. Okay. To as many as received what he was offering, to them he, began, he gave the right to become children of God. God loves everybody in the whole world. God loves everybody 
who ever existed, ever will exist, because God is love, and each one of them were unique creations of Him. But the only people who get to walk with Him as child, as His children and joint heirs with Jesus are the people who received what Jesus is offering. And it's so simple and it's so profound. Again, Merry Christmas. What an awesome gift. Merry Christmas. Uh, turn around to somebody and say, you got an awesome gift for Christmas. And, and y'all, check this out. Batteries are included. Okay? The, the, the gift that Jesus gives you for Christmas, batteries are included. Um, all right. And, and verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It was God's idea. This was not, God, this was not your idea. It wasn't, you, it wasn't your idea to save the world. You can't even save yourself. You can't even save to pay your taxes at the end of the year most of the time. Um, um, we can't save anything. It was God's idea to come and save us. And it was His idea before the world existed. I, that's the part that just keeps blowing my mind. He was, he was planning this whole thing before there were planets, before there were stars, before there, was, before there were black holes, before there was dark matter. He was, he was, he was already planned all this out. All right. So, <laughs> now we get to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Really, just the first clause. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the, world, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I want you to think about this. The Word who is God, the Word who the Word who was in the beginning with God, the Word who is God, the Word who was the agent of creation, the Word who was sitting out there in the darkness thinking about you. Put on a people suit and came to earth. Just think about that. The agent of creation who existed before time put on a people suit And he came to earth because of his love for you. I don't understand that. I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how that's even possible. I don't... I don't... Um... 
it, but I don't have to understand it. I I understand what it means to be loved. I understand that I don't that there that there's some people who really love me, some people who can't stand me. I understand the difference. Um, I don't understand what it means to be loved like that. I don't understand the physics. I don't. I don't know if Jesus is like a quantum singularity that just expanded and blew up the fabric of I don't know how you pack all of that into that person. Well, I know that there's a piece we'll talk about next week, but um, I want you to put this this notion of the, the God who is the source of all light, all love. He, he, this is true. There would be no light in the universe well, first of all, there'd be no universe without God. There would be no light in the universe without God. There would be no life in the universe without God. There would be no love in your universe without God. That, that source of everything who, who personally cares about you put on a people suit and came here. Now, remember I told you the week before last, uh, John wrote this uh, gospel plus or minus 90, 92 A.D., when there was beginning to be a lot of people fighting for control of the church. And one of them was a group of, of called the Gnostics, the Gnostics, spelled G-N-O-S-T-I-C, and uh, the Gnostics, uh, who had made this statement that, that this God that we've been talking about is too holy and too powerful to come to earth. So... So it wasn't really, Jesus wasn't really God. Jesus was like, like a deputy of God. He was like, he wasn't the main God. He was like a, 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 a mini-me God. Uh, but even at that, he wasn't, he wasn't human. He couldn't be human because God wouldn't let any kind of something divine. That he just appeared to be human, but he was really kind of like a ghost. Uh, he, didn't leave, he didn't leave footprints in the sand. And they were trying to trick people and thinking that, okay, if you want to find out about this God, you've got to join our organization because we have secret, hidden knowledge that we will tell you if you join our club in 1995 and we'll get you the whole thing. Uh, that's right. So, so that was, and that's what John was fighting. Uh, that's what the church was fighting, was the, was the beginning of Gnosticism and a, a couple other things which eventually were identified as heresies. But God would never would never allow himself to be human. God would never allow himself to, to enter the earth. And, and so here in verse 14, John says, Oh, yeah? Let me tell you something. Your mother wears army boots. There it's, listen, not, not only did God create a plan for salvation, but he... Not only did he come to earth, but he came to earth wearing flesh. He put on flesh. That The Gnostics were like super finicky. They were just like, ooh, don't touch me. I might get cooties from you. They're all about uh, super, super cleanliness, super purity, super everything. They didn't want to be, didn't want to touch anything that might corrupt them. So, so John says, wait, you know what? Not only was this God's plan, not only did, is he coming to save you, not only did he die on the cross, but he, he came in flesh. He was flesh. The thing that you think is the most nastiest, horrible, awfulest thing in the world, 
He put on flesh. And He came here in person to sort you out. On purpose. He came and He put on flesh. And He came to dwell among us. To live with us. To live with all the smelly, sinful, awful, nasty humans. He came here to be with us because He loves us just like we are. He came in person. I don't understand that. But I know that it's true. And I know that it's, it's changed me. It's changed my life to have this encounter. I mean, uh, and and John, John finishes that sentence and says, Say, He came, He dwelt among us. We saw Him. You can say whatever you want to, but we saw him. Dude, we were there. He talked to us. We walked with him. We, we barbecued. He cooked us fish out on the Sea of Galilee. He walked on the water. We drowned in the water almost before he came and saved us. Uh, we were with him. We, we experienced him. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's all true. And it was all real. And we saw him do stuff. One of the things that make... Uh, Orthodox scholars say that you can trust what the Bible says. I mean, you'll find people who will pick everyone's book. See this verse? This part of First Chronicles doesn't exactly agree with what it says in First and Second Kings, so that means you can't trust the Bible. Now, Orthodox biblical scholars will tell you that one of the main ways that you can know that uh, the Gospels are authentic and can be trusted is because they have one unique characteristics that's true of all dependable historical documents. They're all written in, in, as first-person eyewitness accounts. Um, and, and over and over again, the disciples, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are talking about, we saw this, we experienced this, and then Jesus did this. Um, and it's the, the way that the history is reported is 100%, has that feel of accuracy to it. So John is saying, we saw it. We beheld his glory. Now, the Greek word for glory is doxa. D-O-X-A, doxa. That's not a hard word, right? We could all say that together, right? Doxa. D-O-X-A, D-O-X-A, doxa. Not doxhound, doxa. Uh, so, uh, and it, it actually means to, it started out by meaning uh, to have a high report, a, a, a high degree of respect for somebody. To, to look at uh, Jonathan and say, uh, that Jonathan, he's a good dude. Uh, you can depend on him, you can trust him, he's sincere, he's a hard worker. Uh, and so it became that my opinion uh, kind of a praise uh, because of my experience with with Jonathan. That's my doxa. Uh, but over the, the years, it kind of grow, grew to be used in special occasions of special people like kings, um, uh, celebrated personalities. Uh, and then when it became, when it, It eventually became not only just my opinion or my praise that I'm saying, 
but it became the, the impact that being in the presence of that person had on me. Like, famous, who's the, who's the most famous person you've ever st- stood close to? Vincent Price. Yeah, I used, y'all, Laura used to be pen pals with Vincent Price. Um, just so, so you know. But, uh, but you, you uh, years ago, I, I uh, was in a, an event uh, and met Tony Robbins. Um, I've had my picture taken with him and some other folks from my group. And he's like, he is six foot seven. Well, he's like 260 or something like that. And he has hands. He could, I mean, talk about palming basketballs. Um, he, he could palm hams. Like, he could just go. And he's just this huge guy. And uh, even though I love Jesus more than I love Tony Robbins, you can't help sitting next to him. To, you're going, wow, wow. Um, and he was just a regular, normal guy who had just been uh, on stage teaching for 18 hours straight. Wow. So that was kind of a little... That, that's the, the effect of being in his presence was like a wow experience. Okay. Um, Multiply that by a billion, and that's the effect of being in the presence of, of God. Uh, the Shekinah glory, actually, you know, the word glory can, can actually grew to, to describe the actual physical presence of God that would come on a place with overpowering light uh, and overpowering sense of His presence that would just call people to fall on their faces. And that was an oh, wow experience. So, so John is saying, look, he became flesh, he dwelled among us, and oh, wow. Oh, wow. We experienced him, we saw him do things, we heard him say things. It could only be accomplished by somebody who was born of God because, let me tell you this, He was full of grace and truth. We were never afraid. We never felt dirty. We never felt ashamed. We never felt criticized. We always felt safe. We always felt loved. He always made us feel like we belonged. He was always honest with us. He never failed us. He always loved us. He always forgave us. Even though we did so many stupid things, He was full of grace and truth. We saw it. We were there. We can't explain how it happened. Don't try to get me to explain how it happened. I don't know how it happened. But I know based on my experience with Him that it's all true. The Word became flesh and he came for me he came to visit me he touched me he hugged me he carried me he forgave me don't ask me to explain how it works in in quantum theory can't but I know what I experienced and I know it's real the word became flesh 
And here's the, here's the mind-blowing truth. One more, one more thing for Gnostics who didn't think that God could come down to earth. The mind-blowing thing. The Gnostics didn't think that, that God would ever come and touch a human being. Dude, guess what? Guess who's living in me now? Guess who's living in me? The creator of the universe. The, the, the one who has always existed. The great I am. I am who I am. I, I am always present tense. I am always here. I have always existed. I always will exist. The great I am. It's living in me. I have a 24-7, 365 connection with the presence and power of God. The person, now, the person of God never lets go of me, never turns his back on me. He gets right down grimy, dirty, ugly, nasty mess that I make of my life so that he can guide me through and get me through because he never ever wants to lose me. And he never will. So, so, you don't really get all of that information from looking at a baby in a manger with sheep and donkeys. What you get from that is, oh, isn't that cute? And John came to explain it so we would know what Christmas is all about. And let me just say today, with that as background, knowing that all of that has happened and it's all true of you, and knowing that he's here, that he came from eternity to enter this little point in time, just to be here with you, for you, To be your savior because we all need to be saved. What do you need to be saved from this morning? What is it that you feel like has just got a, a grip on you and you can't handle it but you don't know how to let go of it? What do you need to be saved from this morning? Because if we believe everything that I just said, everything that I've been babbling about, if we believe that, then we have an opportunity right now to say, Jesus, come and save me from this. I'm trusting you. Please set me free from this. Please rewrite my story. Please get me to the place I need to be. Get me out of this place where I am. Get me out of this situation. Take me where you need me to be. I, I'm going to trust you for that. Let me give you just a minute to talk to Jesus about that. Just, let's just help pray for a second. Father, in the name of Jesus... We want to surrender our lives back to you. And Lord, in this thing that we know we need to be saved from, we cry out to you in Jesus' name. Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, save us. Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, save me from you fill in the blank.
And you know, maybe what you really need to be saved from is yourself. And maybe this is just a time where you, for you to just rededicate your life to Jesus. This is your time to say, God, I've, I'm just tired of pretending that I know everything when I don't. T- tired of pretending that I'm smarter than I really am or that I have it all together. I'm tired. I'm just tired. And I want that anticipation for my life that the shepherds had. So, Lord, I'm just, I want to reach out and take that gift that you are offering me. I just want to reach out and, and say thank you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to take me where I need to be. Get me out of where I am. Take me where I need to be. I trust you, Jesus. Thank you for coming into my life and being my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.